the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, make us worthy to pray with all thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but lead us from evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Um, okay, this chapter is a heavy one. Um, and I think such a, an important one for this gen. It's important for all Christians all time, um, judging. Um, but I think we have a major disease of it culturally these days. Um, not just church culture, but I mean social culture, where I think there's a lot of comments that get made of don't judge me, um, where I'm not sure that a judgment has been made. Um, but on the flip side, I actually think there's a lot of judgment happening that's not identified um, as judgment um, that we do. So I am trying to be very careful to not mix me and Abba Dorotheos. So I'm going to do Dorotheos as cleanly and purely as possible first. Um, and then I'll go on my own tirade at the end. Um, well, not so much a tirade as much as maybe just uh, a framing analogy as well. Um, because of how important this topic is. And even like, I mean, Dorotheos is going to be strongly worded, but even before I get into it, it's like... Um, <clears throat> I often marvel how sensitive people are about the sins of lust, right? Where so many people consider when they come for confession, the, their spiritual status, they often make dependent on the sin of, of lust, whether or not they, they committed lust in some form or another. Um, and some people will, will say things like, man, I don't know how to get back on my feet after I fall, but then the sin of judging will be said in passing um, like it wasn't a big deal when this is actually one of the biggest deals. Um, and so without further ado, so Dorotheo starts off basically by saying judging is the worst thing ever. <laughs> so he starts off right off by being, do you know what a serious sin it is to judge one's neighbor? What could be more serious than this? He says, what is it that God hates so much? What is so loathsome to him? Nothing is worse than judging. Um, and he will repeat this nothing is worse than judging statement, like I think like seven or eight times um, in a six page chapter, roughly six pages or something like that. Um, and so again, Dorothea is very, very methodical, which I appreciate immensely. Um, and he's gonna walk us through, we're gonna walk through what the judging is, how it starts, how we got there, um, and, and, and from there. So he goes back to basics like he always does with saying, remember how I told you guys that small things lead to big things. Um, when you're negligent with small, you end up doing big things. So when it comes to judging, he says that judging starts off with um, having disdain towards our neighbor, which, Okay, so I'm not going to comment much, but I'm going to comment, um, which is your snide remarks, your sarcasm, um, your kind of belittling of something, your, 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 your tone when you talk. So it says, 
He says, you start this stain of your neighbor, something in monastic culture like, why does it even matter if I listen to what this guy says? Or what's the big deal if I say this thing to someone? Or why does it matter if I go and see what that guy or that visitor to the monastery is doing? And he says that in starting there, you're starting off by not noticing yourself, not noticing your own sins. Um, he phrased it very nicely as your mind begins to leave its own sins unattended. Um, and I like that word unattended because it's just this complete non-consideration, if you will. Um, and instead, you start to notice the sin of his neighbor. And that's why he's saying it's so subtle, right? You're just, it's just this starting off by not paying attention to you in the positive way and paying attention to others in the negative. And he's saying that's how you end up in judgment, speaking evil, belittling, um, and he also adds, which is very true in my personal experience as well, this usually ends up in you doing the very sin that you judge someone for. Um, so, and he says, this is why the fathers say to care for your own sins and to weep for your own sins as though a dead man, which was a big like lesson to me because I have these phases. So I like depressing movies, depressing songs. Um, like they're my thing. And so I used to like the the Teranim, the spiritual songs that were all like, I'm dust, I'm dirt, I'm, I'm pathetic. Um, and then I went through the opposite phase of like, I'm sick of everyone talking about how we're disgusting, filthy scumbags. Can we like sing something positive? Um, and then I became, I've become very sarcastic towards those. And so this was a nice reminder, especially because Abadur Theos is not a self-hater. He was like, no, 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 but you, you should care for your own sins and weep for your own sins. Of coming back but of saying not to have this sense all the time of how how dirty you are as that being the focus as much as saying it's better to be there than to be looking away right to be looking at someone else um and where that might go so he said if you want to be prosperous in something good you got to keep your eyes on on you in, in that regard um and he repeats, nothing so angers God, nothing so deprives a man and leads him into the state of abandonment by God as spiteful talk, judgment, or belittling of neighbor. And he lumps these two together, right? So he now differentiates a couple of things. He says, reproaching somebody, because we're going to probably get some questions by the end about, like, when have I judged necessarily versus notice something um, or calling out something is wrong, right? But he says to reproach means to say of someone that he lied or he got angry or he fell into fornication or he did some other thing. Saying that person might have spoken badly of a neighbor, but that's not necessarily judgment yet, right? He's, he's differentiating that. Um, Especially, he's saying that's a negative if you're speaking about what your brother did passionately, right? So he's not talking about, hey, I noticed somebody lied. It's, some, it's coming out and being like, hey, that guy lied, right? It's, it's that that he's talking about, just to differentiate. Um, but to judge, he says, 
Um, so that reproaches that that tone of that guy just did this. To judge is to say instead of just saying okay that guy lied, is to move on and say that man is a liar, or the guy who got angry that's an angry man, or the guy who fell into fornication that guy's a fornicator, right? Here he differentiates. You've judged the very disposition of that person's soul, right? You're not just saying this action occurred. You're you're saying let me tell you about that guy's soul. I'm diagnosing him. I'm I'm pronouncing verdicts, and that's what that guy is. Um, and you pronounce judgment on that person's whole life by saying that. I don't think we realize that, and that's why it is such a serious sin, right? And that's why it goes. It's one thing to say he became angry, and another thing to say he is an angry man, um, and and to sentence a person. Um, and and he goes into this very cool. Um, Actually, he does two verses, but the second one is I thought was so cool. I never thought of it that way. But first, he says the sin is so serious that this is why Christ said, like, and, and remember that he's saying like Christ is usually really friendly, but in this specific case, like when it came to judgment, he was like, this is why Christ said, "You hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to pull out the mote in your brother's eye." So Dorotheus meditates on this and says the sin of someone's neighbor is like a mote, just this tiny sliver. And the judgment, the way you're seeing, that's why the beam is in your eye. The way of your seeing this other person, that beam is the judgment, right? This is a story that I thought was cool because I think I didn't, I didn't view the story the way that he did. He goes on to talk about the, the Pharisee in the temple who's praying um, when there's a sinner in the corner who's like, Lord, I'm so bad, um, right? And then there's the Pharisee in the corner who's like, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, um, right? And that I, um, I, I'm not doing anything wrong, essentially. And then he says, and that I'm not like that guy over there, that publican over there, right? So Dorotheus looks at this story and he says, if you look at that Pharisee who praised God, and thanked him for the virtues he had, Dorotheus actually says he was right to say thank you for those virtues. I usually look at it as like, oh, what an arrogant guy. And he's like, no, no, he was right. God really gave him virtues. And it was good that he was thanking God for that. He was telling the truth. And it's good to thank God um, for the virtues and the graces that he gives us um, and his help with it. So he goes, it wasn't that part that was bad. And then he goes, and you know what? It wasn't even the part where he said, I'm not like other men. He was like, on some level, what he said was objectively true. He goes, where he fell, and again, I would never have thought that. I'm like, this guy sucks. He goes, no, where he fell was actually in the line where he says, or like this publican. He said, that's when he was condemned. He condemned a person and the disposition of that person's soul. Again, nothing is more serious, as he says, he has said many times, nothing worse than judging, having contempt for or despising our neighbor. So now he says, what you need to do is reframe your way of thinking, right? Um, try asking these questions to yourself every time you judge. Um, I'm, I'm suggesting that um, as an exercise immediately after you judge. Or if you're doing your daily self-reflection, which I encourage, as St. Anthony taught, the best saint, um, 
Dorotheos is asking these questions. I'm, I'm saying we should ask ourselves this. Why are we focused so much? Um, why aren't we, sorry, focused so much on our own sins that we know very well when we're going to have to give an account of these to God? Right? Like he's saying, if you are aware that you're going to give an account for what you do, and you're actually very aware of what you do, how on earth are you not concerned about that? Right? And then he's, he asks, how, how, how can you comfortably feel like you can usurp God's right to judge? Right? That in judging, you're actually jumping up and saying, no, 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 God, I got this. Right? Don't worry about you. Like, I, I know what's happening here. Let me tell you what's wrong with this guy. Right? Um, and then he asks, finally, what right do you have to demand a conduct of any of God's creatures? Who do you think you are to expect anyone to behave in any particular way? Right? And that's, that's a tough one. Right, of being like, if you think that someone ought to treat you in a certain way or do anything, you think they owe it to you, right? That's like, it's, it's monumentally, like, egotistical. <laughs> um, I'm guilty of all of these, by the way. So, like, this is, the you is, is, is always also me. Um, and then he tells two stories. One of them, honestly, I have no idea what story he's referring to. Um, it had to have been bad. Um, I think it's a story that they knew about. He's like, don't you guys remember the story of the elder who heard about a brother falling to fornication and said, oh, he messed up? And then it doesn't continue. So I don't know what happened to that guy. Um, it's probably bad. But um, the story that, that he tells that he does get into detail, um, I think if this happened to me, like, oh, I don't know what I would do. I'd be so broken. Like, I'd be so scared. He tells a story of a certain Abba named Isaac, the Theban, an Egyptian, who judged someone, right? Whatever, it doesn't say what he judged him for or what he even said. So he judged somebody, and the guy he judged died. And an angel appears to him, bringing the soul of the person that he judged, and said to Abba Isaac, here's the person you judged. He just died. Where do you want to put him? In the kingdom or eternal punishment? Um, like, honestly, like my heart drops. Um, and then he continues, the angel continues, since you want to be the judge of the righteous and the sinners, what's your verdict on this poor soul? Will you have mercy on him um, or give him over to tortures? And so the, the elder, who is, who is a saint, by the way, right? Like, and I think that's comforting that, that this was a saint that it happened to. Um, but the elder was so stunned by this. Um, and after all of this, fell to the ground for the angel, asking to be forgiven. Um, and then the angel says to him, you see, God is showing you what a serious sin judging is, so that you never do it again right and it says that actually Abba Isaac continued repeating uh, repenting for this sin um to the end of his life right and that's that whole usurping thing right is I don't think we realize that that's what we're doing right that we're just being that in in in, in calling people to account we're assuming that it's my right 
to call them to account, right? And so you, you've, you've not only judged the disposition, you've usurped God's being. Um, and so that's what it says, again, ask yourself, what do you want from your neighbor and why? And why are you so concerned about others in the bad way, about what they're doing, what they're thinking, why they're doing it, to whom they're doing? We have plenty to be concerned about brothers, he says. Um, and I say the same thing to myself. There's so much to be concerned about. There's not a lack of things to be concerned about. Do we really need to focus on somebody else in this way? So only God has the authority to judge, justify, or condemn, because only God knows the state of every single one of us and our upbringing and our gifts and what we're made of and our abilities, right? And it's for him to judge each of these things according to the knowledge that he alone has. So I'm, I would encourage you to think about a time where you felt that you were judged, right? Forget about when you judged others. Think about a time where you felt judged. Just to make like Abadorthes' point a little bit more clear. What do you wish others who judged you had taken into consideration? Let's say you were actually guilty, but you, what, what would you wish that the people who are judging you would have thought about, right? Because how many times have, any time any of us have been called out, we've had some answer of like, yeah, I know, it's just that I was, I know I was really stressed. Or what you don't understand is like, uh, this happened to me before and I was worried that it was gonna turn into, insert whatever it is here, right? Is that we already hate when somebody does it to us, but we happily do it to others, even people we've never met, right? Let alone people that we know, but even people we've never met, we're like, wow, I can't believe he did that as though you can already understand why and what he did and whether it was crazy or not. Um, so think about how you are not giving the benefit of the doubt to others when you judge and that you're presuming that you know enough to judge. Um, there's, I, I think I, I'm, I'm scared to bring up this topic because I'm worried that it's gonna get political um, like church political in a way that I don't intend to. But when a certain scandal happened in the church in early COVID, um, I think it was early COVID around that time. I remember um, the internet going psycho, like the Coptic world online, um, and people writing their demands of justice um, and people saying if this important member of the church did that, then he ought to one, two, three, four, five, because he is a scumbag. Um, and I remember being very alarmed where I'm just like, this guy might be guilty. Um, but is this like, is this how we do it? Right. Where I, I felt like, and I, I, that suddenly the online community had turned into its own jury. Um, and it was a jury that was prosecuting without even having all the data. And they were saying, if you don't reach the judgment that we've reached, then you're psycho, right? All in one go, right? And I, 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 it's, it's a very real thing. 
Um, and so Dorotheus even goes on to say, God judges the affairs of a bishop in one way and those of a secular governor in another, right? A bishop is responsible for the spiritual being, well-being of his diocese. A secular governor has to take into account a lot of other things. He judges an abbot differently than a disciple. He judges the age different than the young. There's a difference of knowledge, a different experience. There's a difference in, in, in duty. Um, he judges the sick and the healthy differently because only he knows everything, right? And I might add, and only he actually fully loves everyone. Um, and he gives a story that I think a lot of people would like because I think everyone's concerned about this, about God's judgment of non-believers. Um, but to make his point, um, he gives a story of a, of a slave ship because um, he's writing in a time where that was still a thing. So he's saying, here's a story of a slave ship that pulls into port um, and the city that it ports in, um, there's a holy virgin woman who is living very earnestly and caring about her spiritual life. And she sees the ship coming in and she thinks, you know what? Um, I'm gonna purchase one of those little girls and I'm going to take her into my home and bring her up as though she's my daughter um, in this way of life. Basically, she's liberating her and teaching her um, like foundations so that she knows nothing of the evils of this world. And she takes on herself to save the girl. She goes to the slave master and the slave master's like, yeah, I've got two girls here um, and gives her one and the other remains with him. So the ship master leaves and he goes to another dock where he's met by a harlot, by a prostitute. And the prostitute buys the other girl. And Amadorothea says, can you see the mystery of God? Can you see the mystery of his judgment, right? Here's one girl who, her circumstances, that she happened to be put with this holy woman, right? And so she's gonna know the sweetness of God's commandments of the of monastic life of virtue of holiness because she's living with essentially a nun whereas this other girl that's with the harlot is forced into a, a life subject to the tools of the devil and what can you say about it he asks both were small both were sold neither of them knew where they were going right one is and with a saint one is with not and so he says, do you think it's possible to say that what God asks from the one, the one girl, he also asks from the other? How could that be? Right? Suppose he goes, and this is, this is the point he's trying to make about the bishop is different than the governor, the old different than the young. Right? He says that suppose they both fell into fornication. Both. The one with the nun, the one with the harlot. He's saying do you really think they would face the same judgment? Even though the act that they did was identical, right? He says, of course not, right? Of course not. Um, and so he says, Yanni, how would God allow them to be judged by the same st standard, right? And so we might hear that story and like it, because most of us in hearing that story and smiling 
are worried about ourselves, right? Of being like, okay, good, like God gets me. But part of his point is to say that, right? But part of it is also to say, that's why you should not be doing it to others because you don't know, right? You don't know. Let's say, and I'll expand on his analogy. Let's say you just walked into the girl that was the daughter of the harlot in the street and she pickpocketed you. And you snap at her and call her this insert choice cuss word, which is what he's doing here, right? And how dare she and the scum of the earth and blah, 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 this good for nothing, not knowing she was purchased off a slave ship, right? Then would you pronounce the same judgment at the same very act that happened to you, right? You should never presume. Um, so nobody knows, nobody knows what God knows, right? Nobody sees what God alone sees, right? Someone, for example, might be doing something wrong out of simplicity, right? but have something good about him that's more pleasing to God than everything else in his life, right? So maybe somebody is, I don't know, I'm just making up stuff. Somebody like has the foulest of mouths um, and every second word is a cuss word, right? And they're barely at church. And you might judge and be like, oh yeah, that Ammo, that guy that cusses like the whole world out. Um, and you might even be like, yeah, there was nothing that religious about him. And maybe you had no idea, because God loves charity, that this person was the friend of the poor for his entire life. And that, yes, he was, he was committing this other sin, but so precious to God was his, his love of neighbor, right? And Dorothy's saying, you don't know that. And it might not even be just that the person is doing something good. What if the person... Um, fell, okay, into some major sin, but that person shed so much blood and sweat striving before that person fell, right? So you saw the fall, but you didn't see the huge battle they put into not falling, right? So you call them out for how, I can't believe it. Do you see what they did? That Abuna did this, that person did this, whoever it is, right? Um, but that person fought their brains out right before it, fought a valiant battle, right? Um, God knows how to make right that person and how to evaluate that situation and pity that person. We don't, right? Because we don't even know. So if you know only the person's sin, then how God spared him, right? Let's say God spared them because he saw the battle they put in. Are you going to condemn that man for the sin and then destroy your own soul, right? By, by jumping the judgment where it's like, that guy just got justified and you just got condemned for no good reason. You just thought it was worth judging it, nothing else, right? Like what a, what a loss. Um, so... Maybe you know the sin, but do you know the tears the person shed about it before God? You might know about the sin, Dorotheus says, but not about the repentance, right, that followed it. So I would challenge you to ask yourself questions. 
because I see this sometimes and it distresses me. Are you ever happy to hear of somebody being punished? If you're even remotely happy that someone was punished, there was judgment. Automatically, there was some level of judgment, right? Where you felt that person did it, that person guilty, that person deserves sentencing, right? Then there's, there's a judgment. Are you one of those people who's not only just happy to hear of someone being punished, but are you one of those people who actually calls out for people to be punished, right? In that same incident I was talking about in the church earlier on in the year, um, the crime was committed by um, a priest. And I remember being so like distressed and I felt like I couldn't even say too much because the assumption is that because I'm a priest, I'm just siding with team clergy. Um, but of saying that priests should never be allowed back in the church, that priests should never be allowed to have communion. I'm saying, so you decided to sentence that person to spiritual death, right? Like what happened to church being the hospital for every kind of sinner, clergy or non-clergy, right? But the calls for that were well-received. Like people wanted blood, right? It's, it's very scary. Right? Are you crying out for justice all over the place? But with a de declaration of what you think is justice. Right? Your, your judgment of justice. Right? I think that's our generation. Right? We're extremely judgmental while accusing everyone else of being judgmental. Right? Like that's, that's, that's how I see it anyway. Um, and he says, but this judging can go further. He says, you know, sometimes you go further than just judging. It goes further towards condemning someone and then even further to despising others. Right? It says contempt is when we not only judge our neighbor, but we despise him. We're disgusted by him. We want to be rid of him. Right? Like that this person is vile. He says this is worse than rash judgment and even more destructive. Right? This is like judgment with like, add some level of hate on top of it, right? That demand for blood that I was just referring to, right? This is where we want someone else's existence, physical or spiritual, to be annihilated. And I don't think we realize that that's what we're saying, right? If you say good riddance, he deserves it. You don't recognize that what you're actually saying is, the world would be a better place if that person's existence was removed. That's what you're saying, right? We're not recognizing that that is what we are saying when we do that. We're saying it is better that they die so that I may be more comfortable or so that I don't have to be in that person's proximity or that I don't need to know about them. You're saying this is so scary, right? Where it started with judgment and it goes even further and again, I have all this is pointing out why judgment is so serious. The sin itself, as well as what it leads to. Um, this is, this is anti-love in every respect. This is anti-God. Okay. So he says, so he gives some tips. 
that if you want to be saved, scrutinize your own shortcomings, not others, right? Don't spend your time noting and pointing out what someone else has done imperfectly, right? No matter how trivial you think it is, right? And, and I mean, like, I mean, even in small things, right? You might be in a meeting and being like, you know, that guy could have said it a little bit better, right? Something that sounds so benign. But if we go back towards the beginning, it starts with the benign, right? Because it starts off with that, and then eventually it becomes, and there he goes again, alienating himself from others, because he always speaks poorly, right? And then it becomes, oh my gosh, why are they getting that guy to speak? Right? It's going to escalate. And it started with a simple scrutiny, right? Such a simple scrutiny. So he tells a story that, that's, I had forgotten this story. I used to live by this book and I forgot some of these things. Um, because I remember receiving this as a, I tried to do this exercise as much as I could. And now I want to get back into it. He said, he talked to this one monk who saw his brother doing something wrong. Right, so he noted that the act is wrong, he saw it, right? It wasn't, he didn't try to see it, he wasn't, he just, he noticed it. And he said to himself, woe is me. Him today, me tomorrow, right? He immediately reflected back on himself, right? He was so cautious, he was so attentive to his soul and quickly, just by saying that, avoided judging his neighbor. Right? By saying me tomorrow, he brought up the fear for his soul of doing wrong and of being cautious and of avoiding a sin. He's like, no, 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 I'm likely to commit that. He turned it into a self-scrutiny right away, not a scrutiny of the brother. Right? It, was, it was inversed right away. And then that monk took it further and said of the guy who fell that he saw, he's repented for his sin, but I don't always repent as I should nor do I attain or struggle for repentance. I haven't even had the strength to repent. He saved himself so fast, right? Like he got out of the judgment immediately. Um, and he not only escaped judging, but he put himself lower than his brother's feet, right? Instead of what we do, judging, loathing, despising, right? If we hear something, see something, or I would even add, if we even suspect something these days, we already react. Right? Or being like, I think they're up to this. And it's not, it's not even proven yet. We, we're already pronouncing guilt just at the possibility of guilt. Right? Is that he's saying this is, this is a much better way to deal with it. Um, so he says he... So, sorry. Um, then, then he says, we're not content of just judging on our own. So he's saying that like we're the opposite of this guy and he's saying be careful of doing this that we end up not even being just judging privately that guy did this or that person is this he said that we then look for other people and like hey did you hear what happened right and now we harm our neighbor who wasn't judging yet right and put vile sins into our neighbor handing them a cup of poison Right? I'm like, here, drink from this sin, right? Like, we're like, hey, check out this tree, apple from the tree, or whatever fruit it was from the tree, right? And we're, we're, we're pulling an Eve, if you will, 
um, of like, no, check it out, right? Try this, um, even though we're not supposed to. Um, and so we're handing out this poison and now we're doing the devil's work for him, right? Now the devil doesn't even need to tempt the person with judgment. We're doing it for him. We're, we're, we're giving the temptations out. Um, and he, he says very, very somberly, a man who harms his own soul is working with and helping demons, right? A person who harms his, his or her own soul is working with and helping demons. The person who seeks to profit his soul is cooperating with angels. So he says, we fall into this state. This is the, this is the, the, the core of the matter. We fall into this state because we do not have true love. If we had true love, we would view our neighbor's shortcomings with co-suffering and compassion, right? As St. Peter says, love shall cover the multitude of sins, right? And as St. Paul says, love thinks no evil, love covers, right? That if I want to not expose my brother, the opposite of judgment, then I love them. The opposite of love is to not cover, to expose. Right. Um, there's a story that I heard as a as a kid that I like really resounded with me. That I still remember that I think of when I hear that that line from Dorotheus. Um, it was a story that I was at some somewhere in Egypt, some conference I think when they said it, where there was some kid who loved his brother, like his brother in Christ, so much, and his brother had fallen into some really like quote unquote big sins. Um, and was living like a whole other kind of lifestyle. And so seriously did that kid take this, right? That whole, we view our neighbor's shortcomings as our own. That this kid started going into confession, confessing his friend's sins as though they're his. He didn't say, my friend does this. He'd be like, I am doing this, 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 and this. Right? Um, and so even his father of confession was really like alarmed being like, when are you doing this? Like, like this doesn't match how, like this doesn't match anything. Right. And it wasn't revealed so much later that, and he would take Matanya's like prostrations on his friend's behalf, fast on his behalf, um, all these things as though he did it himself. Right. How beautiful is that? The complete opposite um, of judgment. Because if we had true love, we would cover all sins, right? And Dorotheos, he's such a smart man. Um, like, I just, I just like his intellectual preponderances on things sometimes. He says, you know, the saints did this, and we all know that. But he says, but think about it. Like, the saints, it's, like, it's not like the saints weren't blind and didn't see people's sins, right? He so said they, they could see it. And he said, in fact, they probably hated sin more than anyone. And he's like, but they were able to actually not hate sinners or condemn them or turn away from them. Right? They didn't judge. Instead, they became co-sufferers with them. Right? They admonished them. They comforted them. They gave them remedies as sickly members. Right? They they didn't they didn't spurn them, um, and he and he, he uses this analogy um, of fishing, 
He said what the saints did is like a person who throws his, his hook into the sea um, to catch fish. And then a huge, large fish catches the bait. He goes, now, when the fish catches the bait, it's going to struggle very violently at first, right? Because it knows it's stuck. And he goes, now, if that fisherman immediately tries to reel it in, right, really hard and puts resistance, the line will break, right? He's like, the line will break. You're going to lose that fish. He goes, but instead, he plays out the line, right? The coaxed audience allow it to run freely. And once it slackens, slowly, slowly, slowly starts bringing them in. And he says, that's the difference. The fathers, the saints, the mothers, by patience and love, drew people in. They didn't show disgust and spurn these fish that are gods, right? They didn't have contempt for them, right? And that's, that's the difference. Um, he gives another analogy. A mother said, a mother with a really unruly kid doesn't hate that kid. No matter what the kid does, the mom doesn't turn from that kid, but loves that kid and does everything that she can for her kid. And so he says, so the, the saints cover, adorn, help sinners, hoping that with time that the person who's making a mistake is corrected and not harming anyone else, right? The complete opposite of judgment that's saying, this is what we should be doing. And he said, and in so doing, not only are they helping the other person, healing the other person, etc., that person themselves is greatly advancing towards the love of God. Whereas it's a win-win for everybody, right? You progress and so does the person. It's the complete opposite of judgment. And then he gives this story. This story is always told as though it's St. Macarius. And I'm sorry, St. Macarius. Um, but I know that Winnie McCarius knows that it isn't St. McCarius, but this is one of my favorite stories, and we always attribute it to the great Alvin McCarius, disciple of St. Anthony. Um, but the actual story is from Blessed Amun, who was very much a disciple of St. Anthony the Great, um, like in St. Anthony's own time. Um, so says, what did the blessed Ammon do when those brothers greatly disturbed came to him to say, listen, father, there's a young woman in Brother X's cell. So the story that you've probably heard before, but it's St. Macarius, is that there was a, a monk who fell into adultery um, uh, or fornication, sorry. And the monks caught him red-handed. They saw a woman going into his cell. So they got excited and they wanted an immediate judgment on Abuna. So they went running for Abba Eman and said, come and see, check it out. We caught so-and-so red-handed, we got to do something. And Abba Eman enters this monk's cell knowing that this woman is hiding in a huge barrel, um, which incidentally is what Ember Ruiz did when he fled being a bishop. But anyway, um, he went into the cell knowing exactly where she was, sat down right on top of it and left the monks to search the cell to find this woman. When they found nothing, he just looks at them and says, God forgive you, God forgive you. Um, and so they were put to shame and edified um, because they should not have ready believed accusations about their neighbor. They should not have been excited to accuse their neighbor. None of that was appropriate. 
um, but by his consideration for his brother. He covered his brother, right? And after everybody left, all he said to the brother was, right? Take care, take care for your soul. That's it. Not a rebuke, not your bad, not your this, nothing, right? Just be careful. Um, and that compassion, rather than judgment, right, is what led that monk to repentance, right? That's, that's the goal, right? To not, is, is that, is not, is, is not to expose, not to judge, not to, to, to humiliate, not to look for error, and instead, or to speak evil, or to judge, or despise, instead, help each other. Right? How many of us, with the things that we know we do wrong, if someone were to get angry at us for doing wrong, wouldn't you, on some level, be like, can someone help me? I don't know how to do it right, or I would do it right. I don't wish to sin. I'm just sinning. Help me. Right? As opposed to the opposite. Which of us, he says, having a wound on his hand or foot? Right? Because if we understand that all members are members of the body of Christ, so saying, think of your own body. If you have a wound on your hand or foot, would you look at your hand as though it's disgusting and cut it off? Because like, even if it were to be severely infected, you wouldn't. You'd bathe it, right? You'd put plaster on it. He was like, you'd sign at the cross. You'd sprinkle with holy water. You'd ask saints to pray, right? He goes, you, you, you wouldn't cut it off, right? You would want it cured. So bear one another's burdens, help one another, be helped by others who are stronger than ourselves, right? So have a mind, have a mind that's looking for how to help, how to cover, how to love, not a mind that seeks to destroy, right? And that's why you need to know your role in the community. Because I'm sure there's probably already somebody saying, but is there never a time to speak? Right? Whereas he says those in charge are like the head. So they have to they have to act as a head right. Those who supervise and correct are the eyes. They need to do that rightly. Those entrusted with instruction are the mouth. They can speak. Those who listen and obey are the ears. Those who do the work are the hands. Those who run the messages who have outside ministries, they are the feet. So he says know your role and you will you won't fall into judgment are you the head he asked then instruct and edify are you the eyes watch and consider are you the mouth speak and give help are you the ear listen the hand work the foot do your errands let everyone help the body accordingly to the gifts and the ability that each has to help one another whether it's putting the word of God in, consoling, comforting, giving a hand to help, um, is that if we view each other as the body, you might find a right time to say that something is happening and that is not the same as judging, right? Because nobody is saying, saying something is an error is judging. That's what he started off with. Evaluating disposition of a person we're judging. 
reproaching, loathing, taking it further. So he ends with a nice analogy. Um, this analogy of the circle. He says, you know, if, imagine if you take a compass and draw a circle um, and, and, and that point on the paper where you inserted the compass, um, that's, that small point, the circle, he's like, that's the center. And he goes, now, he goes, imagine a straight line coming as a radius to the circumference, right? He goes that these, imagine a bunch, like these infinite radii. He says, suppose that this circle is the world and that God himself is the center. And that every individual radius is the life, is the life of any individual among us. And he says that to the degree that the saints enter into the things of the spirit, they move down that radius closer to God. The circle becomes smaller, right? The radius becomes shortened. They get closer to God. It's like a concentric inner circles. And if they do that, as these circles become, as you're moving in, so if you've got like this circle and you're moving in on the radius for the center, this is getting smaller and smaller. You're saying that you're getting closer to God, but you're getting closer to all the other radii. You're becoming closer to your neighbors too, right? He's saying that that's what it's like if you are in the life of the spirit. And the opposite is true. The further you are from God, the further you are from the love of God, the more distant you are spread out from your neighbor. Right? And that's why judging our neighbor takes you so far away from God. Right? It automatically distances you um, from God. And he says, if we were to love God more, we'd be closer to God. And through the love of him, we'd be more united in love to our neighbor. And the more we are united to our neighbor, the more united to God. And also, it's, it's, it's circular. And he says, may God make us really to listen to us profitable um, to do that. I'm going to add this a little bit and then I'll open up to some questions. Um, one of the best ways to be deprived of God's grace is to judge. Um, and by this, um, there's a certain grace that everybody receives. Okay. So, I'm not talking about, like, no one's alive except by God's grace. I'm not saying that you earn God's grace, lest that turn into a debate. Um, if you can think about God's grace as money. Now, God's given everybody living expenses, so no problem, right? So everybody has a certain measure already of grace. But if God gave you extra grace... For a particular thing to serve the community if you abuse that money to hurt your siblings dad's not going to give you that money right where it's like no, no 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 no, i can't support you doing this wrong with it right and so the reason i bring that up is in addition to all that abba Dorotheos has has said Almost always, if you've fallen into, especially the so-called big sins, but not even just the so-called big sins, because they're all pretty big. Um, scrutinize whether you've been judging. 
when somebody falls into fornication or adultery um, or rage, um, you've probably been judging, right? Um, and it's, it's God's mercy, better to be judged now than later for judging. Um, there's a really famous story of the Desert Fathers where there's this old monk that's on his deathbed and all the monks are gathered around him. Um, and they're like, oh, like, Abba, like, are you afraid? Like, at this moment, like, it's got to be scary. And he's like, no, I'm not. Um, and they were like, they're worried that he, like, lost his humility at, on his deathbed. Right? So they were like, no, no, Abba. And he's like, he's like, no, I'm not afraid. I'm going to heaven. And they're like, no, Abba, don't, don't say that. Like, like, this is your last moment. Like, like, live an F-sec. Right? And so he was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I'm not scared. Right? And then they're like, they're begging him to stop saying this. No, God said, judge not and you won't be judged. I have made it my thing to never judge a person ever. And I am confident that God in turn will truly not judge me. Right? Like it's, it's, it's an open door to salvation. Right? Where you might suck at a whole bunch of things, but if you can manage to not judge, you can slip in the back door. Right? Um, but if you want to lose grace, judge. Um, but if I can be audacious enough to, I don't even know if that's the right word, um, to add some potential cautions. Um, To what Dorotheus has, has said. Um, the opposite of, of pride is humility, and judging is ego or pride on steroids. So the practice of humility in all things is how you can manage to stop judging. So practice humility in all of your senses, humility of speech, what are you saying? Why are you saying it? With what tone are you saying what you're saying? What have you presumed to already know in saying what you're saying? Do you even know anything about what you're saying? Because if you don't have humility of speech, you're already putting yourself in an elevated position you're more likely to be sarcastic towards somebody. You're more likely to think that something someone else says is really dumb, right? If you don't have humility in service and think I am the standard of service, you are more likely to look at other servants as being pathetic or sucky or misinformed or unwise or whatever it is that you think and treating them accordingly because you think you are the standard of service. If you think you're the standard of marriage and someone comes to you with a marriage issue and you say, here's how it is because you think that you are the standard of proper spouse, you are probably gonna judge. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that that person didn't even know this or I can't believe how bad of a spouse such and such person is. If you don't have humility of thought, right, then 
your thoughts are going to go crazy. So even if you're not judging out loud, you will definitely in your head. So practice not thinking about or analyzing something. Right? So let's say you're like, you're in that servant meeting and you're like, I think that guy could have said it better. Is immediately challenge that thought and say, there's nothing to analyze here. Why am I analyzing someone else's speech? What can I benefit from what this person is saying? Switch it right away. Right? Um, Humility of your eyes. Practice not seeing things. And by seeing, I mean in all of the ways that you see. Is it like physical seeing? I watch people actually. Is it that I'm watching them through social media? What they're like, what they're doing in their lives, judging them based on the, the pictures they have online of being like, yeah, they act all this and this and this one really insert some judgment, condemnation or accusation, right? Let your eyes not see more than they ought to see. Use them properly, right? If you use everything the proper way, you will find yourself not falling into judgment. You'll even find yourself making, making excuses for them. And I'm intentionally not going to into most of the solutions this week because one of the biggest ones is the whole topic of the next chapter, the self-accusation um, of, of how, to, how to deal with it when I do it. So I've stayed away from it on purpose. But if I can, pre- I can prevent, I can prevent by being so attentive to everything that I do, right? And pay attention to yourself. Do you get sarcastic about people in your mind, right? If a certain person's name comes to mind, and you automatically have a visceral reaction of being like, uh-huh, that guy, something's wrong, right? Something is definitely wrong. That's what I'm saying. We all judge so much, right? If I already have that disdain, it means that I think he's guilty of being a certain kind of someone, the kind of someone that warrants my, uh-huh. Because if it didn't warrant that, I wouldn't have that reaction. I'd just be normal, right? So humility of the senses, humility of the mind, like being, as he said, attentive to myself, reflecting on my own deeds, not on another person's. When I notice my brother doing wrong, being immediate to say, him today, me tomorrow. He might have repented, I haven't. Lord, save me, right? An immediate redirect. All of these things can help prevent us from um, this really, really, really um, big judgment. Um, Let me check for uh, questions in the chat. Um, And if there's any online, because I don't have online in front of me, if uh, Anthony, if you can paste them to me in the chat, would also be great. But um, let me find these. Okay, what if you aren't angry with a person but sad for them? It's coming from discernment and not judgment. Can this be dangerous? Aren't we called to be our brothers and sisters keepers and help them if they're doing something wrong? How, uh, how can we be a Christian and hold a stand without judging others if you have discernment? That's actually a great question. It's a very good question. Um, 
and there's a there is a fine line right and i think that that's um the part that abadur thais was talking about are you the hands are you the feet are you the mind which are you right and that just like he also said the saints did and he was telling us be like the saints right the saints did care about um others and what they did wrong it's not like they they didn't right but there's a difference between a fine line between sitting in the seat of judgment and saying this is that kind of person and saying this occurred actually let me give that analogy that i always give i think that will help a bit sorry um i was going to do it at the beginning and i forgot um for those of you who confess with me i'm sorry you probably heard this a million times um but if we can consider sin as a disease cuz it is right let's say i notice that somebody's in a wheelchair i haven't judged them right that's that very beginning where abdur rahim talked about when he says to just say that person lied like let's say it's a fact it's a clear fact it's not a speculation right um as you're saying okay that person's in a wheelchair I, that's all i've said okay um now is there being like wow that sicko right is there being like that 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 handicap right where there's now it's changed now i'm i'm, I'm assessing um a human right now let's say that person um is doing wheelies right um and it's a very small room and people are going to get hurt or the person themselves will get hurt because the disease is causing that he's saying maybe if your eyes hands foot whatever you might be the one that can actually talk them down right so he's actually giving even room for speech he's not saying all speech is wrong and he's not saying all speech is judgment he's saying judgment is judgment right so if i have the gift if i'm the mouth and i can talk this person out of what they're in you mean like hey take it easy are you okay everything's going to be alright maybe i've recognized that it's stress that's triggering them mess up for example right they'd be like you know what we're here for you what can i do for you right another person might not be the mouth right the other person might be the muscles right saying hold this chair down for this person everybody's safety but they're not saying hold this chair down because this person's an idiot right they're saying hold this chair down because this person is in danger as are the rest of us because we're caring for everybody in the family right and so there is a fine line so if you're if you're not angry at the person and sad for them because they're sick there's something very holy about that what i've got to be watching for is is that what it is or is it veiled no i actually think they're scumbag um and i think most of us know when we really do think that right and even the person who might not even be able to perfectly word their concern most people can tell someone's authentic love when they're consistent right where like maybe my friend is rebuking me um in a way that could sound like judgment but i might know my friend well enough to know that that's not really what they're doing right like relationship can also um affect that question that you that you asked i hope that i answered it if not send a follow up for sure um if we judge but then repent and confess after is it still considered that we judged 
or since our sins are forgotten, then the verse of do not judge, we will not be judged to apply, and therefore not judge on judgment day. Um, I don't know if I know the answer. I want to say that, yeah, it's gone. But I would say it almost doesn't matter because if you've confessed it and not repeating it, you're already cured from that, right? So you won't be condemned for judging. That's a for sure. Um, but whether you get to score, because this is how I'm reading the question, that could be wrong, is can I be like that monk and be like I never judged? Um, then I'm like, I'm not sure if that counts um, or not. I don't know what he did. Um, but if we are quick to, to confess it, um, no, then we, we, we can escape the judgment on it. Um, if one witnesses a crime or wrongdoing, um, it is wrong to look the other way and pretend not to see because that perpetuates the wrongdoing. What is the point making excuses for someone when it seems that we're just lying to ourselves? It almost seems like a denial of the facts. Um, I haven't said that personally, and I don't think Abba Dorotheus has said that. Um, nobody said never speak, right? What, what is being said is, are you judging, right? Like, I'm not, I am not sinning, to use an analogy that I just gave, I'm not judging a person if I say the person in the wheelchair is doing wheelies in the room. It might even be my duty to yell, careful, there's wheelies in the room right? Because I want to protect everybody, right? So no one does I'm saying, I think this is what I mean with the confusion about what judging is. Like, judging is not that I spoke at all. Judging is about, I have looked at a human and I have given a qualitative assessment of their person. I've decided what kind of person they are. That's judging. Right? I'm not judging by saying he has blue eyes. But if I say blue-eyed people are con men and that guy's got blue eyes, he must be a con man. I'm judging. Right? Now, I would also add, even if I report a wrong, it's one thing to say I'm reporting a wrong as a duty for everybody's safety and saying I, we need to get that scumbag off the street before everybody's sick. That's not just reporting, right? That's judging, right? Or if I say, yeah, I need to report this because someone's got to do it because that guy deserves one, two, three, no. If I'm not wanting to judge, I will even be trepidatious in my reporting of saying, I wish to report this out of fear for others um, and what might occur. It's not because I want to humiliate or get someone in trouble, right? So for example, I was put in a situation um, where somebody in confidence told me something that they said a priest said that was, had very dangerous ramifications, right? And if true, somebody was going to be very harmed. So if I'm looking to really just solve the issue, then I'm gonna only go to who's ever responsible with a fear for that person. 
Whereas if my goal is more than that, I wanted, I've decided, I have judged myself to be the proclaimer of truth, right? Because where am I going to proclaim it? Am I going to Facebook and like, be on the lookout? I heard a priest said this. No, I don't even know if it's true. I know the priest meant it. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Maybe it's a false accusation. And even if they did, I'm not the one to fix it. I'm not the one to heal him. But there is somebody who is responsible for him formally, and that is my bishop. Right? So then even in going to the bishop, right, do I need to name drop right away? No. I'm just giving this as, as an, 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 an analogy. I can say, Sayyidina, this was said in front of me. They said that a clergy person has said this because that it was a clergy person made a difference in the scenario. Right. If it didn't make a difference in the scenario, even that would become irrelevant information. Hence, humility of speech. Am I offering data that's completely unnecessary? Right. Because if I am, I'm probably doing it to cause myself or others to judge. Right. What is the right way to deal with this? What is it that your eminence would need to know to solve this situation if it were to be true? And if I'm really sincere about virtue, then I might even say, and did, is what I did right and how I dealt with it? Should this even have come to you? Or is this me speaking inappropriately? Because if I'm sincerely humble in my speech and afraid to judge and afraid to uncover my neighbor instead of covering, right? Of a, a fear of exposing, I'm going to be more trepidatious about my exposing, right? But if I'm going through with it as all hail, I am the hero, then there's something to be, I would say something to be worried about. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be that extreme, but I hope that covered that um, kind of, of, of range. Um, and making excuses, the second part of the question, what is the point of making excuses for someone when it seems that we're just lying to ourselves? Making excuses is not lying to ourselves. It's not denying the facts. It's me humbly saying, I observed a fact. It doesn't mean that I understand it, right? Let's look to an extremely heinous crime. And excusing a person is not the same as justifying. Only God can justify it. That was part of the lesson today, right? But let's say a heinous crime Someone abused a child. I think we'll all agree that that's horrible to happen. I can say that person did X. This is to answer the question of, is excuse, excusing somebody lying to ourselves or not the fact? But what if I say, maybe it's because this person was also abused. It's not saying it's okay to abuse if you are abused. It's simply saying this is, this is a wrong act that did occur. There's no denial. But I will not condemn the criminal. God can. Right? Now, if there's somebody who's been appointed a rule of how to keep order and discipline, cool. That was Dorotheus's point about there are jobs, right? So there might be somebody who has to say, you need a timeout, you need X, Y, and Z. No problem. 
That's still different from judging the state of a person. That is a human saying. There needs to be a physical consequence to this for the safety of all. They might have a spiritual effect, etc. But that is not denying the wrongdoing. It is not in denial. It is not judging. Um, but it's not. It's, it's. I don't. I'm not. I'm, maybe I'm just not understanding um, what's forming this question. If you got a scenario in mind, I think it might be helpful to me to understand. I just don't think that that anyone's saying that identifying is itself wrong. Um, to remain silent is to allow evil to persist. We have to have the freedom to say, hey, brother or sister, what are you doing? Doing such and such will cause harm. Scripture says iron sharpens irons. If we look the other way, we all sit with the dullness. Um, indeed, but no one again is saying you must remain silent. He explicitly spoke about the saints speaking and telling us we're supposed to be like the saints, right? He's not saying the saints do it, you don't. He's saying the saints did it, you do too, but do it right do it in love i would i would throw in as a comment to that because i don't disagree that yeah we do need to be able in some context to say what are you doing i think that 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 is holy um i would say that that works best when when we actually love each other right when we actually have a relationship with one another right think about any one of you individually if someone walked up to you and said, what do you think you're doing? How many of you would your initial immediate instinct be like, oh, wow, thank you. And how many of you would start off with, uh, who do you think you are, even if it's just in your mind? So I agree with you as, as, a, as a concept, but I've, I think it's much more effectively done when we actually love each other, right? When like, and then when I start to love everyone, even if they don't love me yet, and view everybody as my neighbor, I'm just trying to pull in everything that they have said, right? I'm getting further down this radius and having it and creating a smaller circumference, right? Um, is that if I um, uh, get closer towards the center and I love everybody more, even if people aren't nice to me, I will accept the rebuke much more readily right away of being oh thank you so much for warning me you must be worried about my health thank you right so one of the ways that you can make it easier for people to rebuke is to accept rebuke if we create an atmosphere where we are accepting of rebuke then it then it works um really really well um how do you discern when it is appropriate to speak up or when it's best to stay silent I think I'm going to, based on the, the, the questions that I, that I just answered, I might look bad for what I'm about to say, but I ask that you hear me in context because I would usually say when in doubt, I'd rather be quiet because I'm coming from the bias that most people speak too much. And most people are usually judging. They're not usually not. And I'm fully judging by saying that or assessing. <laughs> um, in the sense that in my observation, I, I'm, I see that more. Um, but I would say start off by always asking the question of why do I wish to speak? Is it my place to speak? What is the motivation of my speaking? Don't even open your mouth if you haven't asked yourself those yet. 
Because if even the answer is positive and you can proceed to speak, if you've asked yourself those questions, your tone is automatically going to be different because you'll have humility of speech, right? So let's say, for example, you are in a service and you're observing something that's really causing a problem and you are a servant of that group, right? Or someone came to you because they felt they could confide in you and said, hey, I'm concerned about this. I'm trying to say there can be a context where it's like, no, I have a place to speak, right? So then it'll come in and be like, okay, I have observed this. My concerns are that. I'm now laying it either if it's a servant group, servant group, if it's the guy in charge of service or the woman in charge of service to them, right? Um, if it is not mine, then I can say, I'm sorry that you're going through this and I'm distressed for you. I wonder who the right person might be with whom to speak, right? Because otherwise, if you jump in and be like, oh, I want to console my friend by judging the heck out of someone. So someone's just like, can you believe it? This is what happened at church last week. They made this announcement. Clearly they're lying, right? And I'm distressed. I don't know if I ever want to go to church again. Now, is that my place? Am I in charge of the decision that the church made? Am I on the board that made that decision or the committee or the whatever it is? Right? Like, do I have an actual objective response to this? That's my place. Okay. Now, I'm, I want to speak because I feel badly for my neighbor. Am I going to be able to speak humbly? Am I going to be trying to blow something up? I'm going to be like, yeah, that's church for you. A bunch of hypocrites dressed in black dresses. What can you say? And you might really feel that way. But now I'm destroying my brother or sister more. Right? So maybe it would be better instead of doing that to just be like, yeah, it sounds like you're very hurt. I don't know that I know what informed all these things. Have you considered speaking to others that have a place in that? If I think that's the right thing to do. Maybe it won't be any of that. Maybe it'll be like, yeah, do you want to go for tea? And then change the subject. Not talk about something inappropriate. Um, or not that's inappropriate, but that's going to lead to sin. Right. Um, within your friend groups, right? This is something that I I've tried to implement because my bishop does this, and I absolutely adore that he does this. Um, my bishop made clear to us: if a priest comes to him to complain about another priest, he told us all, "Know that I'm going to stop you and say." Before you speak a word, if you want to complain about this other Buna, go get him and speak in front of him. Right? So that's not gossip. So there's no judgment, but there's no swaying of, of moves. And he goes, because if it's not for a formal complaint, why are you speaking? If it's because you want me to, is it because you want me to think a certain way about somebody? Because no. Is it because you want advice on how to navigate that situation? Cool, then just ask for advice. You don't even need to name, right? So why am I speaking? That's, like, that's a good example for me of the why am I speaking? Because maybe the point of my speaking is to defame somebody and make somebody else judge, right? Or to make somebody else condemn or, or deal with um, some kind of negativity.
Um, I hope that clarifies that. I'm trying to see if there's any that I missed. I don't think so. This one is private. Okay. Um, all right. I think that's it. There are, there's another aspect to this, um, in terms of the, how to deal with it. And I, like I said, I'm saving it for next week, um, because the chapter will be, um, on, uh, self-accusation, which is one of the best ways to avoid judging altogether. Um, but it'll carry with it. So if you have leftover questions, or even to think about this for the week um, would be um, great. Um, and then we can join next week for part two of this part. Um, sorry if that was too long or boring. All right. Uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, make us ready to pray with all thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for and ever. Amen. Love of God the Father, grace and the God and Son, the communion of with all, one peace, peace, Lord, with you all. Good night, everyone. Pray for me.